My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. It's been two weeks since House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced an impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. And Democrats have been pursuing a list of witnesses they want to testify. Yesterday, the Trump administration sent Pelosi a letter saying it would not participate in the entire impeachment process. And it blocked one of those witnesses, Gordon Sondland, from testifying. Today on the show, what might Gordon Sondland know? And where is the impeachment inquiry headed now? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, October 9th. I think Washington has felt like everything is moving much quicker than usual. Our colleague Rebecca Ballhouse covers the White House. Democrats for the last nine months have been trying to get documents and information out of the White House, and the White House has blocked them at nearly every turn. But since they've announced this impeachment inquiry, they have started moving much faster, and they issued subpoenas almost immediately, and they've already gotten one person to testify, which is a lot better than than the track record that they had had previously. And everybody is, I think, just trying to keep up with who all these people are, because these are all characters that, until a couple of weeks ago, nobody was really talking about. One of those people that nobody was talking much about was Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the EU. Gordon Sondland is someone who, he was nominated by Trump in May 2018 to be the ambassador to the European Union. And he's someone who had no previous diplomatic experience. He got rich developing hotels. But after Trump won the election, he donated $1 million to Trump's inaugural fund. And we've seen a lot of donors who gave to either Trump's campaign or his inauguration subsequently went on to get these sort of plum posts in the administration, including several ambassadors. Last week, Ambassador Sondland became somebody Democrats really wanted to talk to. They thought he could help answer a key question for their impeachment inquiry. Was there a quid pro quo with Ukraine? Ever since the rough transcript was released by the White House of Trump's call with the Ukrainian president, we know that Trump pressed a foreign leader to investigate Joe Biden, his political rival. So that question has been answered. The only unanswered question is to what extent there was any sort of quid pro quo between Ukraine agreeing to investigate Joe Biden and election interference, the U.S. aid to Ukraine, and a White House meeting between Trump and Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. So, in other words, the Ukrainian government wanted two things. They wanted a meeting with President Trump, and they also wanted this military aid. And President Trump wanted the Ukrainians to investigate Joe Biden. So the question is, was there sort of an exchange promised between those two things? That's right. That's the question, is to what extent was this presented as a, if you do this, then you'll get this. The reason Democrats believe Sondland might have information about this is because of testimony they got last week from one of Sondland's colleagues at the State Department, a special envoy to Ukraine named Kurt Volker. 
Kurt Volker testified last Thursday, and what he provided to the House fed the Democrats' concerns. I think the biggest thing that emerged from his testimony was text messages. And now we're learning more about the text messages made public. Dozens of text messages. Text messages that appear to show top U.S. officials dangling a potential White House visit as leverage to get Ukraine to investigate Trump's rivals. So the evening after Volker testified, I believe it was about 11 p.m. because I was about to go to sleep, we got this release from the House of a bunch of text messages between Volker, Sondland, Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer. I guess there's no going to sleep at that point. There (laughs) is, in fact, no going to sleep at that point, right. (laughs) I think it's about 10 pages of text messages, but it's a lot to digest. This is already such a complicated story, and this added new characters and new information. Who are the characters involved in these text messages? So the main characters are, we have Volker, the U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine Negotiations, Gordon Sondland, the U.S. Ambassador to the European Union. Uh, The new character who was introduced is Bill Taylor, who was a top U.S. diplomat in uh, Kiev. Volker's text messages were sent between July and September. In reading them, you get a sense of the things that the Trump administration wanted from Ukraine and the things that Ukraine wanted from the U.S., According to the texts, the Trump administration wanted the Ukrainians to make a public announcement about a corruption investigation that would specifically mention two things. First, that Ukraine would investigate Burisma Group, the energy company where Joe Biden's son had a board seat. And second, that they would look into an unsubstantiated claim that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election. As for what Ukraine wanted, the texts show that they were very interested in arranging a meeting between Trump and Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky. And the texts also show that the Ukrainians were aware that the Trump administration had put on hold millions of dollars of military aid that they'd been expecting. And it's at this point that we begin to see text messages from that new character Rebecca mentioned, Bill Taylor, a top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine. The Bill Taylor texts are possibly the most striking part of this whole release. What Bill Taylor says is really what House Democrats have been wondering. So he asks, are we now saying that security assistance and the White House meeting are conditioned on investigations? And what Sondland responds is, call me. And about a week later, we see Bill Taylor again write to Volcker and Sondland and say, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. In Sondland, there's about a five-hour gap between when Taylor sends that text and Sondland responds. And what we're told is that in that time, Sondland called the president and spoke to him. And then Sondland responds to Taylor to say that he's incorrect about President Trump's intentions, that the president has been crystal clear, no quid pro quos of any kind. And then he says, let's stop the back and forth by text. So Bill Taylor first asks if this military aid and the White House meeting are conditioned on these investigations. And Gordon Sondland replies, call me. And then the second time Taylor brings up his concerns about this, Sondland replies, there's no quid pro quo of any kind. That's right. So that's what Sondland was texting to Bill Taylor. But last week, we learned Sondland was also talking to someone else, a Republican senator who frequently defends the president, 
Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Ron Johnson called my colleague, Siobhan Hughes, one of our Hill reporters, and says, there's something that's being missed in all of this, and it's that I confronted the president back in August about whether there was a quid pro quo between aid and these investigations. And Trump adamantly denied that there was any kind of quid pro quo. And so we asked, you know, why did you make that call? What made you think that there was a quid pro quo? And he said that it's because Sondland told them that there was one and that there was specifically a link between the aid that the U.S. was withholding and the desire for these investigations to happen in Ukraine. So Sondland, at least according to Johnson, did have the impression, at least at one point, that there was a quid pro quo. Has Sondland addressed that discrepancy? Sondland has not directly addressed that. We have spoken to sources close to Sondland who say that he never believed there was definitively a quid pro quo uh, and that he doesn't remember the conversation with Johnson that way. But nonetheless, Johnson came away with that takeaway. So House Democrats wanted to talk to Sondland this week before his testimony was blocked. What do you think they wanted to ask him? I think there was a wide array of questions that they planned to ask him, but I think a big part of it was going to be these text messages and his conversation with Ron Johnson. So some of the questions Democrats might want to ask are, uh, what exactly did you tell Ron Johnson about any link between aid to Ukraine and investigations? What did you talk about with the president in that five-hour gap between when Bill Taylor asked if there was a quid pro quo and you assured him there wasn't one? Were you ever told that there was any link between aid or a White House meeting and investigations? So I think there's a, a long list of questions that, that they would have for him. And people in Washington went to sleep Monday night thinking that they might get answers to some of those questions the following morning. Everybody was sort of bracing themselves for this Sondland testimony on Tuesday. We saw, obviously, quite a bit of information come out of Volcker's testimony. So I think Washington was sort of preparing itself for another deluge of information. And then... Ahead of his scheduled deposition, the State Department notified the U.S. ambassador to the European Union he should not show up for his testimony before Congress. After the break, the White House strategy to combat impeachment starts to take shape. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back. At 8 a.m. on Tuesday, just an hour and a half before Gordon Sondland was set to testify, his lawyer issued a statement. His client wouldn't be talking to Congress as scheduled. And uh, I talked to the lawyer a little later in the day, and it turns out that what happened is that at 12.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning, so about nine hours before the testimony is set to happen, the lawyer for Gordon Sondland gets a call from a State Department official who the lawyer declined to identify. And the official tells him the State Department is directing Sondland not to testify. And how did Democrats respond? 
Democrats were very frustrated on Tuesday morning. We saw Adam Schiff give a news conference. We were informed about an hour and a half ago. Where he said that he was told shortly before Sondland was set to testify that he wouldn't be doing so. Would refuse to allow him to testify today. And he called the move to block Sondland from testifying a, quote, additional strong evidence of obstruction and uh, effectively suggested that it was something that, that they might incorporate into their impeachment articles. The failure to produce this witness, the failure to produce these documents, um, we consider yet additional strong evidence of obstruction of the constitutional functions of Congress. And what about Sondland? He does, for his part, seem eager to answer questions. He, His lawyer puts out this really very apologetic statement saying that his client is profoundly disappointed, that he will testify as soon as the State Department allows him, stressing the fact that Sondland has come all the way to Washington from Brussels to prepare for the testimony, and really trying to make the case that he is not trying to thwart the House, but is just following the State Department's orders. After Sondland's testimony was called off, it wasn't clear what role Trump or the White House might have played in the decision. But then came a letter from the White House. Tonight, breaking news, the White House, the letter they just sent to Speaker Pelosi. Late today, they raised the stakes, their refusal now to cooperate with the impeachment inquiry. So we get this, I believe it's about eight-page letter at 5 p.m., and it is attacking the impeachment inquiry uh, in some of the most aggressive White House language yet. Yeah, I have the letter here, and it says that given that your inquiry lacks any legitimate constitutional foundation, any pretense of fairness, or even the most elementary due process protections, the executive branch cannot be expected to participate in it. That's right. What the White House is the most upset about is the fact that the way Pelosi has structured this impeachment inquiry, there's no role for uh, White House lawyers. And in past impeachments, the president's lawyers have been able to be in the room for several hearings, even closed-door hearings. They've been able to question witnesses and see documents. And so the White House is sort of arguing that they're being kept in the dark and that that's what makes this investigation illegitimate. So this impeachment inquiry was moving so fast for a while. Do you think it's going to begin to slow down? I think that House Democrats are going to do everything in their power to not have that happen. And if that means relying less on the testimony of current officials, that could be it. The other thing is that Pelosi has said that she does want to pull together these articles of impeachment fairly quickly and ideally in the next couple of weeks. So that may be something we see. So even even if the administration were to block every single person from testifying and not turn over a single document, the House really does already have quite a bit of information on which they could base those articles. So how would you sort of sum up the White House's strategy given this letter? I would sum it up as not cooperating. (laughs) This is really the first major battle between Democrats and the administration as part of this impeachment inquiry. We saw the strategy from the White House for the Mueller investigation was, despite Trump's rhetoric on Twitter, to largely cooperate. They turned over, I believe, more than a million documents from the White House and the campaign. They let several officials and former officials testify. And in the end, you know, Mueller produced a report that was certainly very critical of Trump, but ultimately didn't lead to impeachment, didn't lead to criminal charges of the president. 
So this is a very different strategy that they're using this time around. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. After receiving the White House letter on Tuesday, House Democrats issued a subpoena to Gordon Sondland and demanded he appear at the Capitol on October 16th. It's unclear how the administration will respond. That's all for today, Wednesday, October 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.